Um, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue tonight talking about the presence of God. And uh, hopefully you guys are getting a lot out of this already. Um, the more I look at this, the more I kind of just realize how much of a broad subject this really is and how multifaceted is, it is in the word. Uh, especially when you, when you start to realize, and I've said this already, that the same word that is translated presence uh, is also translated, you know, in his sight, his sight. And then you, that opens up that whole study of that, that, what the word says about that. And we looked a bit at that already. And then you've, um, and I'm going to talk about this part of it tonight. The, 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 when also when the Bible talks about um, the, the idea of being before or going before, like the Lord will go before you. That word before, again, is it's the same word, it's the same word presence. Uh, so the Lord going before you is would, would, would very much be the same idea as his presence going before you. And uh, being in his presence is being in his sight. And so really, you really just begin to realize how, how this whole subject becomes, it just enhances and expands when you, when you look at the, the different facets of what his presence is all about. So we're looking at some certain things as we go. And the reason I'm talking about the presence of God, not just so we can get a nice topic and hey, hear a nice Bible study and get a few notes and then, you know, go, go about our merry lives. I, I firmly believe that faith comes by hearing the word. Yep. And, yeah. and, and, and as you hear the word on a subject, our faith should increase on that subject. And, 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 and when, we, when, when our faith increases, well, with faith should come expectancy. And, and so, you know, and, and by preaching on it, we're raising our awareness of this. I think most Christians know somewhere at the back of their mind, and we'll, we'll mention it in prayer every now and again about the presence of God, but might not really have actually spent time dwelling on it. But I know I, one thing I know about God and his word, when you spend time dwelling on a subject, you start to get more out of it. And you also start to experience more of that subject. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and it opens up God being able to move more. So as we talk more about his presence, I'm doing this because I'm expecting more of his presence to manifest. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just in church as well. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, not just in church, we want his presence manifesting in the grocery stores. And then, you know, you're sitting on, uh, on a train and all kinds of things and walk down the streets as the presence of God is, is more than just something we enjoy in church. But um, so that, that's, that's what we want. And I'm certainly finding with me as I'm studying this in the word and spending time in these scriptures that, that it's stirring me a lot. And in fact, I'm quite stirred about what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, now I'm going to, I'm going to last week, uh, I will refer to some of the things I said last week uh, and it's good to hear them again. But last week we talked about the fire of God's presence yeah. and we looked about some scriptures uh, specifically related to that, you know, in Hebrews, it talks about, and this is mentioned a few times in the old tech covenant as well, that, that the God, the Lord is a consuming fire. I'm going to dig a little bit more into that consuming fire today as well. Um, but let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures first, uh, Isaiah 52 and then Deuteronomy nine, we'll go to Isaiah 52 first, uh, and then into Deuteronomy nine. We've got a title one for this one today. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I did write it down. Um, uh, the Lord, well, it's quite a long title. The Lord will go before you as a consuming fire. Yeah, so we're continuing on with the fire, but we're going to talk in a specific context of that fire and see this in, in the scriptures. Um, so 
like I said, as we go through, I'll refer to some of the scriptures we did last time and then some new scriptures as well. Let's just read this in Isaiah 52 and then we'll go to Deuteronomy. Isaiah 52 says, for you, sh for you shall not, verse 12, for you shall not go out with haste nor uh, go by flight for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Your rear guard. Now, when it says the Lord will go before you, that word before there is, is the same word, his presence. It's the same word Moses used when he said, show me your presence. Uh, and, and, and But it has all of these meanings depending on how it's used in a sentence and the context of it. But it, 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 it can mean the presence of a person. It can mean the face of a person. So in his sight, uh, it can also mean it can mean before and it can mean behind as well. So it's, it's quite a, it, it draws in a lot. So when it says the Lord will go before you, uh, again, this is his presence will go going out in front of you. And mm. then it says, uh, and the Lord and the God of Israel will be your rear God as well. So he's in this scripture, you see him before and behind us as a, as a, as our God. But I wanted, this is what I want to focus on more of the Lord going before you. So let's, let's look at some things in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy nine with the children of Israel, because we see this concept quite a lot uh, in, it's actually mentioned quite a lot in Deuteronomy uh, as they're preparing to go into the land uh, and some things that God said that I believe will, will, will stir us up and encourage some things and, 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 and uh, even stir us up more about that fire, as I said. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse one, hero Israel, uh, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go in dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself cities great and fortified up to heaven now this is i'm not sure i think this is this is moses speaking yeah but uh, yeah but or, or think of moses i didn't see who the quote's from but um it even talks about those nations greater and mightier that's their enemies they're talking about they they they, they you know they're facing enemies that from the natural perspective are bigger and mightier than them cities great and fortified up to heaven verse two a people great and tall the descendants of anakim whom you know and of whom you 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 heard it said who can stand before the descendants of anak those are the giants um now after talking about that about the enemy i mean you know if you talk you spend enough time talking about the size of your enemy, eventually you're going to get a bit discouraged. <laughs> you know, you talk about how intimidating the challenge in front of you is, and eventually it starts to get, you, you might even get afraid. And you get to, be, get to be concerned about, my word, the challenge in front of me. Now, God doesn't deny that there's a challenge in front of him, but he doesn't spend 10 chapters talking about the challenge. There's two verses there, two verses. But then, then he, verse three says, therefore understand today, that the Lord, your God, is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. Now, the fire here is in a specific context. This is what we're going to talk about. And, and I want you to notice consuming fire because this will make more sense as we go on. But that phrase, the Lord, your God, is he who goes over before you. Go, goes over before you where? To, to, to this to, to what he's talking about in verse one and two. You want to cross over the Jordan today and go into dispossessed nations greater and mightier than yourself. So where's he going over before them? He's going over before them to those enemies, to those nations, those, those intimidating 
things out, the challenges out in front of them, which was so much bigger than they. And, and he says this, but don't worry, don't worry, they're bigger. They, don't worry about their size. He says, I'm going out before you. And let me tell you something about me. I am a consuming fire, consuming fire. Uh, last, last week, just reminded of a couple of things. We talked about uh, some of the scriptures in Daniel, which talks about the, the fire that surrounds his throne. The ancient of days, Daniel 7, talks about his throne was a fiery flame and its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. We saw other scriptures which talks about the Lord will come with fire, right? But in this context, the fire is connected to the enemy. This is what I want you to see. And we're going to talk about uh, as we go, 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 go on. So he's a consuming fire. Well, what is a consuming fire? I was thinking about this and, and I realized there's different types of fire in the Bible. Uh, so when you talk about the fire of God, there's different types of fires. Uh, not every fire in the Bible was consuming. Uh, if you remember uh, when Moses looked at the burning bush, the Bible says the bush was not consumed, was not consumed. Mm-hmm. That, that was a fire that was burning that bush, but not burning the bush up. Why? Mm-hmm. There was no enemy inside there. That, was, that, that fire was not dealing with the enemy. That was connected to his call. And yes, he was going into Moses, into Israel to deal uh, into Egypt. I'll get there into Egypt to deal with the enemy. But um, but the burning bush itself, there was no enemy around there. Uh, what about on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and the Bible says that the rushing mighty wind, uh, uh, you know, that it wasn't just a breeze that went through. It went <laughs> rushing mighty wind through through that upper room. And the Bible says that, that those tongues of fire came and sat upon each one of them. Well, you know, if those were consuming fires, then, then the moment the tongue, the tongue of fire touched their head, they'd go poof, they'd vaporize. Okay. I, it's, it's a good thing that wasn't a consuming fire. But again, there was no enemy there in the upper room. There, there, there wasn't a situation dealing with the enemy. So you see fires in the Bible where they're not consuming fires. And that word consuming, it talks about to burn something up, to devour it, basically, devour it. Uh, but then again, then you, then, you, then you look elsewhere in the Bible and you see the consuming fire, the consuming fire. Uh, I, th- this is something that we, we can get a hold of, and I'm going to show you a few scriptures about this. We can begin to build our faith in this. Then you, you, begin, to, you begin to have confidence in that consuming fire of God and what it is. Then, then you don't have to be afraid of the enemy. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, you don't have to, doesn't matter how big the challenge is. Doesn't matter, matter how big or it is at all. See, so you've got no, fires in the Bible that didn't burn anything up. The burning bush, day of Pentecost. Then you've got fires in the Bible that burned things up. You've got the fire when, when, when Elijah called that fire down from heaven. And the Bible said, then, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. It uses that word. It consumed that burnt sacrifice. But what's going on right there? Elijah's dealing with the enemy. The enemy is around. He's got the prophets of Baal. There's a challenge going on. That was a different type of fire. That was a different type of fire. That wasn't just a fire that came up and the whole offering lit up and nothing was consumed. That was a consuming fire. That was a fire that burnt up that sacrifice and, and, and was a demonstration of real power, real power, okay? Uh, if we go to Psalm 50, 
Uh, Psalm 50, and then uh, these two we looked at last week, but I want to put this in this context because I want us to, 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 to get a bit more stirred up, not just about the fire of God, but the consuming fire of God. The consuming fire of God you found spoken of in the word in, in context of when you're dealing with the enemy, when, when, when there's opposition, when there's things coming against, uh, against the people of God. And uh, but let's read this and I'll say more about the enemy. Psalm 50, um, uh, we could start in verse one, but, but we'll just pick up in verse three. It says, our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him. And that word devour is the exact same Hebrew word consume. A fire will consume before him. This is talking about a, a fire that's going out in front of them and it's burnt, it's consuming things up, it's devouring and eating things up as it goes. And then it says, a fire shall devour, consume before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. That word tempestuous talks about a storm, a storm, or well, I like to even say it this way because it's the way it's translated tempestuous there. It's like a raging storm, mm. a raging storm. But this isn't a water storm. This isn't a hurricane or, or a tornado. This is a firestorm, a consuming, consuming firestorm going for him. Okay, let's look at one other Psalm 97. Now, this, this raging consuming firestorm uh the storm of his fire is a picture of power it is a picture of of of, of, of god's power in the face of the enemy yes. and you see sometimes what we need to really need to 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 build up our confidence in god of in god himself and in his presence with us when the enemy tries to come against us when the opposition arises, you see, the enemy likes to kick up a fuss. He likes to try to, you know, we see it all through the Bible. And, and I've said this a few times before. Some of the greatest manifestations of the miraculous in the Bible are in the face of opposition. When yeah. the enemy came, the prophets of Baal, Daniel in the lion's den, the Hebrew children thrown in the fire. All of that's got to do with opposition. Uh, that's got to do with uh, Egypt, the, the plagues, the, the, the Red Sea, all of that's got to do with dealing with the, with the enemy. What's God showing us here? He's showing us the, the, the demonstration of his power in the face of the enemy. So yeah. when, when there's no enemy about, his fire can manifest and be beautiful. And, you know, Christians, oh, we want the fire of God and, and, and the excitement and the burning tongues of fire. Yes, we do. But we also need to have confidence in the consuming fire of God in, in, face, in the face of the enemy. This is the kind of fire that'll vaporize a virus. That's an enemy. This is not just the fire of the, God, the fire of the Holy Spirit. The will run around the building saying, yeah, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. That's great. This is that consuming fire. This is a raging fire that, that comes into contact with the enemy and vaporizes it like that and consumes the enemy in front of it. This is now, we read this last week, but look at this one again. But with this in mind, Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Now, let me just say this as well. Um, and I've said, we've said this in our other prayer meetings. People, when I say the enemy, people are not the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, now, now, people can yield to the enemy. 
And if they're yielding to the enemy, they might get in the way <laughs> of some things when the when God's dealing with the enemy. And the, you know, we don't want that. We love pe- we love people. We want to pull people out of the fires of, of hell. Okay, but 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 uh, the enemy, the enemy. No matter how big, no matter how intimidating, no, no matter how powerful his 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 uh, his, his he looks. Like he said in Deuteronomy, when he talked about how big and intimidating they were, that's why he talked about the God who is a consuming, raging firestorm before in the face of the enemy. Psalm ninety-seven. I uh, will just read verse three. Uh, we read this a bit last week, but notice this again: a fire goes before him. Now, before there again, it's the same word, a fire. There's a fire, or we could say a fire comes with his presence. But what kind of fire is this particular? In this passage, is, just, is, is this the fire of the Holy Spirit sitting on, on tongues of fire sitting on your head? Is this the burning bush fire that where the bush wasn't burned up? No, no, no. This fire he's talking about in verse three, a fire goes before him and burns up, burns up his enemies round about him. That's a consuming fire. That's what consu- that, that's a fire that burns up the, and vaporizes the, what the enemy's doing. That's the kind of fire where it talks about in verse five, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. You see, when, when, when the opposition, when the opposition, when the enemy's trying to kick up a fuss, we need to, we need, we need far greater confidence in, in, in the power of our God. And it's, quite, it's, it's actually quite something to even just sit and imagine the fire around his throne room. And it's like in scripture, you almost get this impression that when the enemy's kicking up more and more of a fuss, that fire around his throne room starts to rage into a firestorm of power that, that's, that's ready to be released and to consume whatever stands in its path. Okay, it, it's and, and that's why we need, we need to have confidence. I think Christians don't have a lot of confidence in the power of God. We don't have a lot of confidence in the presence of God. Uh, yes, I said the, the presence of God can be nice to be touched by his presence in a church service. I don't have a problem with that. It's lovely to be touched by the presence of God. But you see, you see, you see Christians will come to church. They'll get touched by the presence of God. And then they go out in the week and, and the enemy attacks them. And then they run in fear. Yeah. They run it, and I'm like, well, hold on. What happened to the presence of God you got touched with on Sunday in church service? You know, mm-hmm. it was wonderful to have a smile and run around and praise the Lord. And let's have a Holy Ghost time. But, but, but what about where, where's the presence of God when, when the enemy comes against you, when the enemy rises up? Where's your confidence in that power? See, when you look at the Bible, you see people who had immense confidence in the power of God. They, and and they, they had confidence in the presence of God to show up when the enemy showed up. This is why Elijah, he expected God's, God's power to show up when, when, when he was facing the prophets of Baal. Moses was able to stand before Pharaoh, before the enemy, with confidence that God's presence will show up. This, 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 this is the presence of God on a different level. These men were not afraid. They were bold. Why? Because they had confidence in the presence of God that was backing them and that was with them. Like I said, Daniel and the lion's den and the three Hebrew children facing that burning, burning fiery furnace. They, 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 were, they were fearless. Why were they fearless? Because they had greater confidence in the one who was with them and the one whose presence was with them. And why do Christians run in fear? Why do Christians uh, run in panic when the enemy's after us? Why do you see Christians? They're running around. Oh, pray for me. Pray for me. Help, help, help. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Help. 
I, okay, yes, I'm mocking. I'm intending to mock, but yes, I am. But, but why? Why do they fall apart the moment the enemy pops his head up? Because they don't have much confidence in the power of his presence and, and his presence showing up. They have far more confidence in the power of the enemy. And I believe this is part of why God gives us this image of a raging fire, a consuming fire when it, come, when it comes to dealing with the enemy. Now go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And we're going to see something else about this. Uh, the Lord before us. Now, everything we've talked about, just bear it in mind. Because this is talking again, again about the enemy and the Lord going before them. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 28, says this, where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. Ever felt that? I've been around people that just talk down, talk negative, talk about the enemy so much that eventually you hang around them long enough, you, you just get pulled down with them. <laughs> yeah? Our yeah. brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we. Now, this is similar to what we read in Deuteronomy 9, but he's, he's saying a very similar thing here in Deuteronomy 1, but he's saying this is discouraging them. Uh, what are they saying? People are greater, taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Now, remember, this is, this is chapter 1 and chapter 9. God talks about this, and he says, don't worry about all that. I'm a consuming fire. Okay? Mm. Bear that in mind. Verse 29 then says this, then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. Now we know that we, we know that is in the word. We know the Bible says fear not. We, I mean, I, some Christians say the, the fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. I don't know. I haven't counted it. I'll just take their word for it. It's not something I'm going to sit and count. Okay. But that's supposed and they say, oh, there's, there's one fear not for every day of the year. That's so great. <laughs> But, you know, it's all good and well to say that. But then when the enemy pops his head up and you are, oh. whatever happened to your fear not? <laughs> mm. bad. And the enemy pops his head up and a virus and a, or, or another attack or, and op, or the opposition or whatever. It, I mean, you know, anything out there preaching the gospel and they want to start, you know, arresting you or, you know, and Bible times they stoned them for preaching the gospel. What, what, do you, where do, what happens then? Then that's when suddenly all the fear often pitches back up, the fear. But uh, this whole idea of not being afraid is supposed to be very real to us. And he's, he's going to show you in this passage the solution, the solution. So verse 29, he says, then I said to you, do not be terrified, terrified or afraid of them. Well, why were they afraid? Why? What was causing the fear? They were focused on the enemy. They were focused on the size of the enemy. They were focused on the power mm. of the enemy. They, 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 were, they were talking about, they were discouraging each other, talking about how great and tall the people, the enemy were, and how, how fortified their cities were, and how difficult the task is. That's why I say to Christians all the time, we need to stop talking about how hard the task is and how difficult it is. Now, look at, Look at what God's solution was. <coughs> Verse 28 and 29, he shows that they were afraid and they're discouraging each other because of their focusing on the enemy. Now, Verse 30, notice what, how God turns this around. He says, the Lord, your God, who goes 
before you. He will fight for you. This is how God wants them to stop being afraid. This is what God wants to get their attention off the size of the enemy and onto the size of their God. Now, remember, this is the God that just a few chapters later, he, he, tell, he adds some extra information. In, and he says, when he goes before you to deal with the enemy, he is a raging firestorm. <laughs> That's my wording. That's wording. Consuming fire, raging firestorm. Okay. The Lord, your God. What, what does he try to do? He, 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 see, you're not going to deal with our fear and our intimidation of the enemy if we're always focused on the enemy. <clears throat> And if we're always focused on what the enemy can do, and this is what the enemy wants us to do. And I've, I've preached this in other contexts before, but it's worth mentioning here. You know, we, we know the passage of, of um, Peter when he was walking on the water. You know, the Bible says when he stepped out of the boat, the, 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 the storm and the waves were already around him. Those waves and storm didn't suddenly appear when he was halfway walking to Jesus. They, the, 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 even when he was in the boat, there was the wind and the waves. If you go and read the passage. And, but he, he, he got his eyes off all of that. And all he could see for a moment was Jesus. And he jumps out the boat and the miraculous is happening. Why? Because of his focus. And as he's focusing on Jesus, he starts walking on the water. And then suddenly he starts to look at the, 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 the storm that's been going on around him the whole time. And as his focus changes... Then he gets afraid. And as soon as he gets afraid, the miraculous shuts down and he starts to sink. See, this is what the enemy wants to do. People, people often say, well, you know, where's the miraculous? Where's the power of God? Well, notice, notice with Peter, the miraculous and the power of God shut down when his focus adjusted into a focus that caused fear of the enemy. The miraculous was functioning when his eyes and his focus was right and he wasn't afraid and he was walking toward Jesus. So what's God trying to do with them in Deuteronomy? He's trying to say to these people, stop looking at the size of the enemy and start focusing on the power and uh, of that consuming raging fire of God that goes before you and his presence that is, that is out in front of you. He says, if you begin to, if, to focus on that and develop an awareness of his presence with you, See, you're not going to be afraid of the enemy. Why, why are Christians so afraid of the enemy? Because they have very little revelation of the, of, of, of the presence of God with them. We know it in theory. Oh, the Lord's with you. <laughs> God's with you. We don't know it in reality. It's not real to us. That's why we're talking about. It. That's why we're teaching. We need, we need to get a hold of this. I, that's why I said you might even want to sit there and just close your eyes and just imagine that fire of God surrounding you, going before you. And um, I, I even in context of, of, of healing, you just you know, uh, one minister, John G. Lake, used to talk about the lightnings of God. He called the, he used to refer to the power of God as the lightnings of God. When you think about the power of lightning, when it strikes something, it just it's going to vaporize whatever it touches. Well, that's that's the same. It's the same concept of the of, of that, that fire going before you when we, you know, <laughs> thick and there's a virus and there's something or you know not even the current virus but any virus in that body that power and presence of god that goes through you will consume it can vaporize that virus just like that gone that raging fire well what do we have to be afraid of when we've got that backing us 
What do we have to be afraid of when that raging, consuming fire of God is with us? Now, he's not going to consume us. Not gonna, and he'll, like I said, it's the beauty of his fire. His fire can be non-consuming when there's no enemy around and we can have a wonderful time with the fire of God. But that same fire will rage up into a firestorm, consume it going out in front of us, causing the, the enemies the enemies to just melt and vaporize before him in front of him, whatever the enemy's trying to do. So this is what we need to see. We need to, we need to stir up our confidence in the fact that he's, he's with us. Now that was, that was Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy one. Let me show you again, the same thing. Just see the same thing in uh, Deuteronomy 31, Deuteronomy 31. I think it needs to become a lot more real to us that he's with us and what it actually means. This is something we need to sit and meditate. This is something you need to sit and dwell on and don't, and, and don't let it escape from you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things in the Bible that can become so commonplace to us because we hear them so often that it just goes in one ear out the other ear. Oh, the Lord be with you, brother. <laughs> And it, we just forget it. It's like, oh, yes, the Lord's with me. And then the enemy comes up against you. And you go, oh, no, oh, no. And we run out the door in fear. I'm like, what happened to the Lord being with you a moment ago? <laughs> Where did all the fear come from? Because it wasn't really real that the Lord's with you. It, wasn't, it didn't mean much to you. It was just a nice phrase. Okay? But when we go out with the confidence that his raging, consuming fire surrounds us, and expect it to show up. That's the kind of person who'll stand in front of Nebuchadnezzar unafraid. That's the kind of person who'll stand in front of Pharaoh unafraid because they know who's with them. Uh, let me read this and then I'll, I'll say a bit more about that. Uh, Deuteronomy 31. Now this again is talking about, uh, well, verse three, uh, just read the start of verse three. The Lord, your God himself crosses over before you, yeah. before you. Okay. Uh, verse six. So again, he's talking about going into the land. Verse six, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. Why? Are we supposed to just work this up and pretend we're not afraid? No. He gives them a reason not to be afraid of them. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake. This is this is this is this is this is gra grabbing a hold of the reality of his presence with me. Do I got to be afraid of the enemy? Yep. I got a consuming fire with me. And even in verse eight, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. So God's presence with us, not just a theoretical concept. It's not just a nice theological concept. It's not just a nice idea. This is something that actually I think we need to sit on more. We need to, you need to take these, you need to meditate on this. Sit, you know, we know about meditating on the word of God. Uh, and it's, it, but it's good to just take scriptures and sit on them and remind yourself and, 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 and imagine this moving fire so that the reality really sinks in. And that's fire and what it can do. Amen. Because said it can vaporize the virus, can vaporize the enemy. It's it's, not, it's, it's such a it's, it's a raging firestorm, you know. Over and over again in in the Old Testament, and we see this even coming into the New Testament. 
when, when, for example, when Moses in Exodus at the, at the start, when, when Moses was talking to, to, to God at the burning bush and God was telling him about going into Egypt. Um, and, and, and um, Moses, if you remember, Moses kept giving God's reasons why not to send him. And he said, but I stutter. And, and you know, and I'm not very eloquent in speech. And I'm, the, and he, you know, and, and all of this, God kept saying, you know, okay, well, fine, we'll bring Aaron along and he can speak for you and all these kind of things. Moses kept give, giving God more reasons why not to go. And then finally, God said, God said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. And as far as God's concerned, that was the closing argument. <laughs> you don't argue after that. God said, you know, the only thing that really matters, Moses, is I will be with you. That's what's going to make the difference. When you go right into the very court, the very court of Pharaoh, you're going to have a fire with you, the fire of my presence. God said the same thing to Joshua. In Joshua chapter one, God, God said to, to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And what's he doing? He's sending Joshua to go over to go over the land, to go, to go and take the land, go fight the enemy. God, as far as God's was God's, as far as God was concerned, when he said to Joshua, Joshua, I'll be with you, that was that that was all that needed to be said. Mm. Argument. There's nothing to be afraid of from this point forward. This was real to these people. This gave them confidence, it gave them boldness. They expected the idea of God with me meant he will show up. And if necessary, a fire of God will show up. God said the same thing to Gideon. When Gideon said to said said to God, I'm, I'm the least member of the smallest tribe, or I'm the youngest member of the, the, the most insignificant tribe, however you want to word it, okay? Basically, he was saying, I'm the, 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 the bottom of the bottom. I'm the lowest, least, most insignificant, weakest member of the entire nation, Lord. Mm. And you know what? God turned around to Gideon and said, I will be with you. That's all that mattered. All that mattered. Now, you see this in, in what God's saying in Deuteronomy. When he talks about the size of the enemy, as far as God's concerned, what's the only thing they needed to know in, in answer to the size of the enemy? I'll be with you. <laughs> I'll be with you. Who am I? I'm a consuming fire. I'm a raging fire that goes in front of you, burning up, vaporizing that firestorm of the presence of God. I think if we could just get a hold of this, and, and really let this sink in. It could make a big difference. And, 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 and I'm not going to teach much longer, but I, I kind of hope this is, you see what I'm saying here, mm -hmm. of that consuming fire, that raging fire. It's, these are the words, um, as I've been looking it up in the original Hebrew, uh, like the, that you see, they're, they're talking about this, that storm. That, I just get this picture of this whirlwind of raging fire consuming power fire just swirling around god when i think about that that's what i think about in my mind and mm. and, and going like before us as the as that whirlwind of fire mm. why whenever the enemy's involved see this is exactly what god said to us he said it to moses he said it to joshua he said it to gideon and then jesus comes and he says about the holy spirit in john 14 john 14 verse 16 he says this and i'll pray the father and he'll give you another helper. Now we know from the from the surrounding chapters there, the helper is the Holy Spirit. And he says that he may abide with you forever. With. With. That's the same, it's the same thing he said to Moses. I'll be with you. 
Same thing he said to Joshua. I'll be with you as I was with Moses. Same thing he said to Gideon. I will be with you. Well, he says he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Notice there's two different things he mentions there, with you and in you. Now, we, you know, we could spend ages having a big theological discussion about exactly where he is. But, but in a sense, each of those terms communicates something different. God, when Jesus said he will be with you, yes, he lives in us. But the idea of him being with you was a reference back to the Old Testament concepts. of Every time God said he was with them, that meant his presence was going to show up in the face of the enemy. That's what it meant to every person he says it in the Old Testament about. That's his actual presence with you. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is in me. He's upon me. He's also with me. With me. And what's he like when he's with me? He's a fire. He's a fire with me, consuming, raging firestorm of his presence. Amen. Mm. I think that's my that's system. that's what I got from my heart. A good time if you want to to say something. Go for it, Debbie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to read from.